Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Online. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm gathered here with a few of my friends just to make sure that you get fed the Word of God from wherever you're watching it from. So if you're working out on the elliptical, if you're sitting on the couch, whatever it is that you're doing, maybe you're stuck in quarantine, maybe you're stuck in a state that is not Texas where you don't get to go to church like we do. It's just a word from God. Move to the greatest state that has ever been created. We want you here in Texas, unless you're from California. Don't come here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're out of gas here. We can't, uh, we can't accept any more people. No, I'm so glad you could tune in. Welcome, welcome. For my friends all over the world, man, hey, we're so grateful for each and every one of you. For those of you that are supporting us faithfully with your tithes and with your offerings, those that have been giving towards this ministry, hey, you're awesome. Thank you so much. I want to remind you, hey, if, if you're plugged into a church where you are, make sure you're supporting your home church. Uh, don't, don't send your tithes here. It needs to go to the place where you're getting fed the word of God and where God has plugged you into. So um, I, just, I just want to make you aware of that, that uh, God will always take care of us. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and then for uh, all of you who are graduating this week, hey, congratulations. Some of you are graduating for the fourth, fifth, or sixth try. Hey, welcome. <laughs> we got hope for you as well. And uh, as, as we're getting into God's Word, I just want to uh, just remind you, hey, man, we're, we're so grateful that you tuned in today. I'm glad you could be a part of this. And from our friends in Fort Worth, from our friends in England, from our people that were watching, we had uh, Miami, Florida, um, Oregon, um, Arizona, from all, all over the world. You guys, are, you guys are awesome. You're part of our family. And even if you can't be with us uh, here in the flesh, you're with us in spirit, which yeah which means nothing, but we're grateful for it anyway. So, uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, I want to turn your attention to, uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and then Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to do a, a two-part series on all, all, all it's, it's called Fight For Me. This is about the family, about how, uh, how to fight for our families and how to do it God's way. Because if there's a, if, well, this is online church, so I can say what I want. If there's two F words that go really well together, it's fighting and family. It's not where you thought I was going to go, was it? Fighting and family, it, it seems like uh, those are uh, the most painful fights are people that are, that are really close to each other, the family fights. And, and it's because, you know, we'll, we'll say things to family that we wouldn't say to anybody else, not to your worst enemy. You wouldn't say it to any other human being on the planet, but we will say things to people that are family because we know that they love us and they have to take it, right? <laughs> and they're, you know, some of the deepest wounds that you'll ever have in your life come from your family. Um, and sometimes we have horrible examples of, of mothers and fathers and people in authority that we're close to that, that should have done a better job um, for us that, that end up um, sowing into us seeds and, and things that, that produce things in our life that are just horrible. And it comes out in, 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 in the most inopportune times. Uh, things that we look back and have some of our deepest regrets are, are from, from deep wounds that have been seeded inside of our lives. And so I wanna just talk to you uh, just for the next couple of weeks about how to fight for your family instead of fighting against your family, how to fight with your family, instead of just hoping for your family. I think many of us have hopes that our family will get better, um, but I wanna, I wanna remind you that, that, that hope without a plan is just a wish. And so there's a plan that God has for your family, and you can hope all day long. Hope is a powerful thing, but if you don't understand what God's hope for your family is, um, you're, you're just wishing. And so I think many of us have some deep wounds. You may have children that are away from God. You may have grandchildren that have turned their back on God. And, uh, and that's a very painful realization when you, when you watch those that you love walk away from the truth. Uh, you may be a person that's walked away from God and not even realize how much um, your, your, your absence from Christianity, from religion, from, from your family, uh, how deeply that affects those that, that love you very much. Uh, but from whatever angle that you're looking at this, I want to just take you to God's word and, and show you a few things that I think will help us in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6. Um, if you're single, 
I want to teach you how to fight for your future. I believe that if you put, to, uh, if you put a family together, um, you're going to want to know how to build this the right way. If you're single again, uh, let's build it right this time. And I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just simply saying hey, it's, you know, great families are built. They don't happen by accident. And the, uh, the good news is today, it's never too late to start building. <laughs> so uh, if you're single, if you're single again, hey, let's, let's build it right. Let's build ourselves on the firm foundation of what God says your family needs to look like. Um, for those of you that have, uh, that have not uh, put a family together yet, you're waiting around, you're hoping that God has a, a, a husband or a wife in store for you, have, has children in store for you, hey, then this message is still for you because you're training for a fight that hasn't happened yet. And I want you to think of it that way. I need to get training in for the fight that's coming because from the very beginning of time, all the way back in the very beginning of this book, Satan's plan was to destroy the family. And uh, it's actually a brilliant plan because this, the family people are God's soft target. You know, in, in, in our arguments and our fighting, you always, if you really are, if you're really vindictive, if you really want to hurt a person, you'll find the soft target, the things that they care about, and just rip those things to pieces. Well, you are what God cares about. Your family is what God cares about. And ever since the beginning of time, Satan's plan has been to destroy God's people. And he does that by getting them to argue with each other, to fight with each other, to isolate, to pull away from each other, and to say things that are hurtful, to plant deep seeds that become generational strongholds and curses that come out generation after generation after generation. And let me just tell you, there may be some things that run in your family, but those things are going to hit a brick wall when they run into you because there are, there are great great fantastic things that God has in store for his people that are willing to say yeah I might have been born like this but I've been born again and God's put his DNA into my body and into my generation and these things stop with me this is the last generation that has to deal with the, the generational curses and the strongholds that my family's dealt with for for ages and so as we're getting into God's word I want to remind us that you know uh, if in order to push back the kingdom of darkness um, how can we push back the kingdom of darkness if we're busy fighting each other but you know, the very first thing in all of creation that, that God looks out and says is not good, he says it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. It's not good for us to isolate, to pull away. So if we're gonna have to be together and fighting, fighting happens when we come together, yeah. let's learn how to fight the right way. Yeah. Let's learn how to fight for each other instead of against each other. Let's learn how to do more than just hope. Let's actually do it God's way and watch as God does what only God can do. He brings the victory into a, into a situation that's, that might seem hopeless. Let me just tell you, um, if God is in your family, if you've got a relationship with God, there is never a situation that's hopeless. There's no such thing. God brings hope. He is the God of all hope. And when we do things God's way, that hope becomes more than just a wish. It becomes a plan. It becomes a battle plan. And I want to teach you today how to fight for your family, how to take care of your family, because uh, we, we can see how to take care of our family by watching how the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy on how to take care of God's family. Mm-hmm. And he does this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is Paul speaking to the young pastor, and he says this in verse 11. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. I want to talk about what it means when he says flee from all these things. He says, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. It says you're going to need to be running from some things and running towards some other things. And he lists them out here. And then he says this, fight the good fight of faith. I want you to remember that scripture because this is important. When you're fighting, it's really critical to understand what God is asking us to fight. He says the good fight, the fight of faith. 
It says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made, when you made your good confession. It goes on to say, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, until Jesus comes back, this is your mission. Fight that good fight of faith. Flee from these things that don't matter and run towards these things that do. Look at verse 20. He says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. And I want you to remember those words. He says, flee from, Mm -hmm. fight for, and guard what's been entrusted to your care. Those are the three things we're gonna talk about today. What to flee from, what to fight, and what to guard. He says, turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. And I believe this is, a, this is a critical scripture for us to understand what is happening in the spirit of the age. It says some people have, uh, have turned, uh, turned towards godless chatter, towards these ideas and things that don't matter, things that, that seem to be uh, cultural knowledge, and in doing so have become prodigals. We see this happening all over our world today. People that have been raised in church, raised in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, people that have been, uh, God has imparted gifts to them, they have a strong relationship with God, and as soon as they step out of our family and step out onto their own, they get surrounded by the knowledge of our culture, yeah. by things that people are telling them, well, this is what, how it's like in the real world, and they turn away from God, and they've departed from the faith. I know that you've seen it, I've seen it, many of us have experienced it, we've lived it, or you're, you're seeing it happen with your children right now. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about this, and as we're, com- as we're combating the spirit of the age, I think it's important that we look at what God's word says, this is how to remedy that situation. It's a big deal. Prodigals have always been part of Satan's plan. He wants to destroy the next generation. He wants your children. He wants your grandchildren. I want to teach you how to fight for them. How to fight for them. What can we do? So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's watching this right now. I pray that you would bless them, that you'd bless their families. Lord, that their eyes would be enlightened, that their hearts would be open, that they would see what your word says to their families. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to remind you, hey, great families are built. They don't happen by accident. They're built. And the good news is it's never too late to start building. It's never too late to start investing into your family. It's never too late to start fighting for your family instead of just hoping, instead of fighting against your family, let's fight for them. Let's fight in the spirit. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, so your family is not your enemy. It doesn't matter how rude they are. It doesn't matter how crazy they are or what they say. That's not your enemy. As believers in Jesus Christ, it says our battle is against principalities and powers, rulers in this present age. It it talks about our battle is a spiritual battle. It's not the person. And this is an incredibly important mind shift so that you stop fighting a person and start fighting the spirit behind that person. So this is Satan's plan to destroy your family. And when you stop seeing people as your enemy, things can start turning around. Our battle isn't flesh and blood. It's not a person. It's never a person. It's the spirit behind it. So uh, when I... uh, when I uh, walked through a very difficult divorce, when I became a single dad again uh, and watched my family burn to the ground, that was, uh, that was an incredibly difficult time for me. Faced with my own failure, faced with watching uh, my family have to do it without a mother, um, that was hard. It was a hard, hard season to walk through. And in those moments, I had to determine what, what do I want my family to look like? If I get another chance to do this, what do I want my kids to look like? What do I want my, my legacy to look like? And I had to come face to face with my failure and with my mistakes, with all the things that I had done that I realized, man, that was, that was a poor decision. I built my family on my own ego, on my own pride, 
on my own wants and wishes and dreams. I built my family on the opinions of other people. All kinds of foolish things that could not possibly stand up once we walked into the middle of spiritual warfare. As I got into ministry, my family crumbled very, very quickly because it was built on the wrong things. It was built on my own strength, built on my foolishness, built on things that could not possibly handle the spiritual weight of what I was walking into. And many of you, you're, you're dealing with those things right now. You know, when I finally came to the place where I, I, I started thinking to myself, what, is, what does my family need to look like? If I could project this 20 years from now, if I get a chance to build it the right way, what would I do? I began to turn to the authority of God's word and then see some examples of families that were around me that were really healthy families. And I realized uh, when I watched and I observed healthy families, <laughs> like they don't look anything like me. As a matter of fact, they're willing to put in a lot of work. It's work to create healthy families. It's hard. They don't happen by accident. You can't just say, well, I'm hoping that my kids turn out all right. Like, well, without God's plan, without his word to guide us, um, that's a foolish hope. You're putting your hope in anything. God has a very specific plan. When I, when I met um, the guy that spoke this past week, if you were watching and tuning in last week, it was Pastor Jeff. One of the things that, that just sold me on him as a spiritual father, one of the reasons why I, I love him, I love his ministry, is because of his kids. It's because of his kids. I watched, he has five kids, and I watched as every single one of them, first of all, loved him, loved their mother. Most importantly, they all love the Lord. And I had never seen that. I'd never seen kids that were teenagers that didn't hate church, especially when their dad was a pastor. We have a, you know, you know there's, a, there's, a, there's a name that we put on pastor's kids, and most of the time it's, it's a pretty derogatory um, list of names. They're horrible. You know, they're brats or they're hypocrites or they're the worst part of the church. Pastor's kids are notorious. I can say that because I are one. <laughs> we do dumb things. And when I saw his kids loving the Lord, I, I made an immediate decision, like, I want that. That's what I want for my kids. And I want to give them the best chance of success. And uh, there's no such thing as a perfect family. But when you start seeing healthy families, you won't settle for something less. Because it's the, the best thing that we can give our children is not more of me. It's not even more of my time. It's God. It's God. It's God. Because as I get closer to the Lord, I get healthier. And my time with my children becomes beneficial. And it's not just a waste of time. It's not just personal time. It's not just close time. It's God time. It's impartation, and that's a big deal. So um, as we're getting into God's word, I wanna, I wanna remind you of kind of the background. So the apostle Paul is speaking to a young pastor, and uh, you know Timothy is, is biracial. He was raised by uh, a Greek father and then a, a mother that was a believer. And Paul talks about his mother is a strong believer, but his father is probably not. We, we think that his, his father might have been an absentee father. So the apostle Paul kind of steps into that role as being a spiritual father and a mentor to him. And he talks about what God had created young Timothy to do. And he gives him these instructions of, as, as he's walking into maturity of how to not make the same mistakes that everybody else makes and how to, how to build a spiritual family that, that, that works and that's effective, that's a good model for other people to follow. And as we're doing this, he, he, he gives us some, some particular words that are extremely important when we're talking about building a family that can fight for each other and not against each other. And the first thing I want to tell you is this. Number one, uh, some things I have to fight. Some things you have to fight. You can't avoid them. There are some battles that you just have to fight. Now, it's important <laughs> that you understand this. Uh, you're going to have to pick your battles. Pick them. You cannot spend your entire life in a fight with your family, but there are some things that are worth fighting for. Some things you dig your heels in and say, no, this has 
to change. This has to be, but you can't fight them all. You can't do that. Sometimes you have to let some things go. Some battles I have to fight, but you can't, you, you can't be willing to die on every hill. It's going to get exhausting. Everything doesn't have to be a battle like that. Not everything takes a fight, but some of them you can't run from. You have to fight them. And uh, I, I will just say this to encourage you though, uh, but the fighting is always easier if we're fighting together. If we're fighting together. So the important thing is if we're gonna have to fight something, let's fight it united and not fight one another. If the battle isn't against flesh and blood, then my, my, my fight is not with you, but let's fight together. What are things that we can fight together instead of fighting with each other? And I hope that makes sense to you. Um, Jesus says in this world, you're gonna have tribulation. You're gonna have tribulation. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The Bible calls us even more than conquerors in Christ. So there's, there's victories that God has for us that we get to enjoy the victory if we're fighting the right things and fighting the right way. Not everything takes a battle. Not everything takes an argument. Some things don't matter. Sometimes you just ask God, God, would you help me? Would you give me wisdom? Because I don't wanna have to fight anymore. What things do I have to fight? And can we fight these things together? You know, um, when we talk about all the battles that we're gonna have to walk through, when, when, when Paul uses that word fight, he uses the word agone in, in the Greek language, which is where we get our word agony from. Mm. And it hurts. A real fight, a real battle, it's gonna hurt. So if you're busy trying to fight every single battle all the time, uh, you're gonna live a life of pain. You're not gonna win them all. As a matter of fact, you're gonna lose a ton of them if you're not fighting the right way and the right things. Uh, but there's a big difference between what I fight and what God's word asks me to fight. You see, when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. This is the battle that you can't run from. You have to fight for the faith of your family. These are the things that are important to keep faith strong, our faith in God, our faith in his word, even in the face of opposition. That's a battle worth fighting for. I'm gonna fight for faith. I'm gonna fight to keep God at the center of all that we're saying, all that we're doing, all that we're about. I want the Lord at the center of my family. That's a fight that you cannot avoid. That's a fight that you can't run from. That's a fight that you have to make sure stays at the center of your existence at your family. What are we gonna fight? We're gonna fight for our faith. Fight to keep Jesus at the center of it. Whatever, at, whatever it takes at all costs, we're gonna fight the good fight of faith. You know, faith takes a fight to keep it. The enemy wants to destroy your faith and make you believe that it's hopeless, that God can't, that God won't. Fight to keep the faith. You know, this is, uh, it's interesting that when he says the, the good fight, he uses the word kalos in the Greek, which is, is the word he uses to describe that fight. That's, that's the word that means beautiful or noble fight. And so when I think about fighting, I don't, I don't think about fighting with nobility. I don't think of fighting being something as beautiful. I think it, I, I fight dirty. It's prison rules in my house, right? It's prison. That's, that's how we fight. Prison rules, bring out the shank. You know, we're gonna go at it. Uh, but he says, no, that there's a difference between a dirty fight and a noble fight. And this is how you fight the right way. It's fighting for the faith of my family. And we do that by, with fasting, with prayer. We do that in worship. We do that by staying in the word. We do that in thing, with things that are spiritual. And I wanna talk all about some practical ways to fight for your family next week. But this week, I wanna just talk about how we do that. So we're gonna have to fight the good fight of faith where it's a noble fight, not a dirty one, but it's a fight to keep God at the center. Second thing he says, you're gonna have to flee from some things. Flee from all these things. So here's the battle. Uh, some things, I, sometimes I have to fight some things I have to flee. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best way to get out of a, of a fight is you gotta run from it. Some fights, you, you're not here to fight them. 
You're going to run for them, run from them. Now, here's the thing. You can't avoid every fight. You can't run from everything. We call that the flamingo disease. Where you just stick, stick your head in the sand and say, I just hope that everything changes by, miraculously by itself. Uh, no, sometimes you have to run. You have to run. The Bible says flee youthful lusts. So if you're battling pornography, if you're battling sexual sin, this is, how do you battle that? You run from it. You run. The Bible also talks about with your finances. It says if you're, if you're in debt, and this is in, in Proverbs, I believe, chapter 6, it says flee from debt. Run from it like, like a gazelle trying to run from a trap. You've got to run from those things. And these are big fights in our family with, with money and the way that we, uh, you know, the, the, our secret sin was sexual sin and, and pornography and, and our lust and our, you know, inner office romances, stuff like that. The Bible says run from that junk. Run from it. It's, not, it's just a battle that we're fighting, Pastor. No, 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 it's not. You're gonna lose that battle unless you run from it. Some things I have to flee from. Now, um, in the 80s, when I was raised up, in the 70s, 80s, uh, up until the early 90s, and I'm kind of dating myself, um, we'd, the, 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 the general way that we would raise a family is to call everything the devil and say you have to run from all of it. Every, you're running from everything because everything's the devil from music to pop culture to TV to what you wear to how you talk to this. Everything is come out and be separate all underneath the guise of holiness. And I get that. But here's what Paul tells Timothy. He says, you're going to flee from some things. Then you're going to pursue other things. So if you're running from everything, but there's no direction of what you're running towards, you're going to create a prodigal. This is what we do. We tell, tell them everything's wrong, but you never tell them what's right and you never reward them when they do the right things. And here's, here's what I wanna make sure that, that we understand that there are some things we're supposed to run from, but Paul says there are things we're supposed to be running towards. Now, what gets rewarded gets repeated. So if you're raising a family to do the right thing, don't keep moving the touchdown marker on them. Let them know when they do the right thing, we're gonna reward that in a big way. This is right, this is good. We bring a lot of a verbal praise to that. This is what I'm, I'm looking for. That's awesome. Did you guys see the way that he did this? Because we're not just fleeing things. What are we running towards? And how would we know if we got there? And this is where I think a lot of parents make some huge mistakes. They spend their life saying no, stop, don't. And they never tell them what to go for. They never reward them when they actually do it. I believe that if you put a challenge to our, to our people, if you challenge them and you show them the right things and you reward them when they get there, uh, you're gonna not create prodigals. You're gonna create people that understand what you're asking of me. Be clear, clarity is kindness. What are you asking of me? And Paul is very clear with Timothy. Timothy, go for these things. He said, pursue righteousness, pursue gentleness and faith and love. This is what we're looking for. You're, you're to pursue these things. This is what you're chasing uh, after. See, there are things that are chasing after you. Youthful us, debt pornography, sexual sin, but there's also things that you should be chasing. Yeah. And it's a marathon that we're running here. So I don't want you just running any direction, just running from all, everything that's the devil, but running towards the things that are right. You know, uh, when he uses that word to flee, it's the, uh, it's the equivalent in the Greek language of to vanish. Like you need to just get going. You can't, you can't be uh, around that, can't even be in the neighborhood. It's like, ta-da, I'm a magician, gone. Like disappeared, like get out of there. And when he says what you're per, to pursue, that word means to hunt. You're, hunt. you're always looking for ways to be gentle. You're always looking for a way to pursue righteousness. You're always looking for a way to be gentle, looking for an opportunity to be gentle, looking for an opportunity to show faith. You're hunting for it. So you're not just running from the things that are wrong, 
but you're hunting things that are right. And then when you find them, you celebrate them big and you say, this is what we're going for. This is who we are as a family. This is what's right. This is what we're looking for. You did the right thing. That's a big deal. And we celebrate it because what's, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Reward them when they find those things. Here's the third thing he tells us. He says, guard what has been entrusted to your care. So some things I have to fight, some things I have to flee, some things I have to guard. You guard them because you're, they're, they're precious to you. Guard what has been entrusted to your care. The Greek word here is philoso, which means uh, to keep a, a vigilant eye on. It's a military term of you place a guard over that. It's like, a, like I'm, I'm putting security around this thing because this is important to me. What are the things that are important to you? He says, guard what has been entrusted to your care, Timothy. So I want you to take a quick inventory of what has God entrusted my family with? What are the things that God's entrusted me with as, as a father? He's given me uh, the care and he's trusted me with our, our family's faith and with our finances, with, with my children, with my fam- faith, family finances are things that God has entrusted to me. I'm gonna stand before the Lord and give an account of what I did with the things that he's given me, how I spent my money, how I spent my time, how I raised my children, um, how I loved my wife. Um, The things that I did with the time that God has given me are important. God has entrusted those to my care. He says, I want you to guard these things. Guard them. I think many times the enemy wins because we've forgotten what to guard. We'll guard our privacy and uh, we'll guard our, my time uh, because those things are precious to us. And we have our list of priorities of things that are most important to me personally. But he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. There's things that you're supposed, that you're supposed to be caring for that are gonna take you to keep keeping a vigilant eye on. You know, the Bible also talks about uh, how to guard things. It says, it, it tells us uh, to take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. You know, you guard things with a shield. That, uh, that Greek word is, is thurios in, in, the, in the original language, which, which means door. Because the, the shield that the Apostle Paul is talking about when he uses faith is, is, is a door-shaped, a door-shaped shield, and this is, um, this is uh, an adequate shield because it covers a soldier from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet that covers everything. It's shaped like a door. And so when he, when he gives us this word, he says, it's the shield of faith. You know, it's like, well, well, God, how much faith do I need? And God says, no, I've given every person, he says this in Romans, every person has a measure of faith. How much is that? It's enough to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You have enough faith to be able to guard what has been entrusted to your care. We do this with the shield of faith of faith. You know, uh, when my son decided that he wanted to, to start playing baseball again, it, it had been a long time since I played baseball. And I grew up uh, playing baseball with my friends. I love the game. And when my son finally developed a little uh, affection for the game, it was, a, it was a big deal for us. And so I had to go back into the old garage and figure out where I left that old baseball glove at. And when I, when I finally pulled that glove out, I realized, man, that glove was in great shape. And it had been years and since, since I had played with it. But I made sure that when, before I put it away, that I, that I coated this stuff in leather care because leather wears out really, really quickly. And um, when I was able to, to, to rub some more um, leather lotion onto that glove, it got its flexibility back. And I was able to play catch with the old glove that I used in high school. That's a big deal. It's been a long time since I've been in high school. You know, the Thurios shield that the Apostle Paul is talking about is a shield made out of hides. It's six animal hides woven very, very tightly together. And those animal hides like are extremely durable. They're tightly wound. Uh, they're great for protection, but they're gonna take a constant oiling or they get very dry and very brittle. 
Let me just tell you, God's given you enough faith to guard your family. But perhaps the reason why the enemy has run, has, has run rampant in your family is because it's just been a while since you old your shield. It's a big deal to get your faith back into a place where you can use it again. It takes oiling it. It takes care. Your faith is not just going to be there every time that some emergency happens. It's, it's something to be used daily for protection against the attacks of the enemy. How's your faith? How's your faith lately? Just like the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, he says, guard what has been entrusted to your care. How do I do that? With the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Get your faith up. You know, faith is, a, is, is confidence in the goodness of God. I'm confident that God has a good plan for my family. I'm confident that he wants my marriage to work. I'm confident that the Lord can take better care of my kids than even I can. I'm confident that God has a plan for my family. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard what has been entrusted uh, to me with the shield of faith, with my confidence in the goodness of God. See, the, the problem isn't that we don't have enough faith, but it's that we just haven't used it in a while. You know, the Roman army was, was famous for conquering the entire world with a short sword and a big shield. And as they would come into a siege attack on a city, you know, the, the people would begin to throw stuff out at them. And uh, in those moments, the Roman army would do something called the tortuga, which is uh, it's a Latin word for, for turtle, turtle shell. And then what they would do is they'd take those shields, they would hold them up, and the guys that were in front would put those shields out in front. The guys would, on the sides would hold their shields out to the sides, and they'd make a turtle shell of their shields locked together that could withstand the barrage of enemy attacks. I want to remind you how important it is that you're not fighting alone. And if you've isolated yourself, if you've gotten out of the, the pattern of gathering together with other believers that their faith is strong and you can put your shield together, lock them together, then it's time to get back into a place of faith. Sometimes if you don't have a, <laughs> you don't feel like your, your faith has been very well oiled and you're not, not, uh, maybe not up to par. Maybe we'll just put you in the back and you'll just cover the hind parts, but we'll get you, uh, we'll get you some people that are surrounding you with, with strong faith until you're ready. But the most important thing is that we're not doing life alone. You know, the battles that we have with our family, the biggest mistake you can make is trying to fight those alone. Um, there are people that are around you and hopefully you've, you've surrounded yourself. You at least have some people that you know of that have strong, healthy families. Get around them. Get around them. Do what they do until it begins to rub off on your family. I believe that when, when your family begins to leak their shields of faith together, the fight gets better. Why? Because now we're not fighting with each other as enemies, but we're fighting with each other as battle buddies. We're able to push back the kingdom of darkness by fighting the enemy instead of fighting each other. Next week, I've got some things for you that I think will help you, some practical tips, but I want to just take a moment and pray for each and every person who's having a battle with your family. If you're walking through some tough times, man, I've been there more times than I can count. Um, I know it's hard. I know it is. But I want to remind you, put your confidence in the goodness of God. Put your confidence in the goodness of God. That's faith. Fight for your faith. Take the shield of faith to protect yourself against what the enemy's doing so you can win and watch God do his greatest work. I want to pray for you. Lord, I just pray for every single person walking through a battle right now. Lord, I pray for prodigals that are away from God. I know the pain, Lord, from having family members that have turned their back on you, Lord, uh, family uh, matters and, and th people have, have, that have been deceived by the enemy. Lord, I know that's a painful thing to walk through. 
Lord, I pray for every single person in the middle of a painful family struggle. And I pray that your word, Lord, would take root in our hearts, that confidence and encouragement would come back in the place of all this pain and fighting. Lord, I pray that you would turn the light on, that faith would rise, and that the struggle, Lord, would change. I pray that breakthrough would come. I pray this in Jesus' name. As we finish up today, I want to just make an appeal for every person that might be watching this. If you're, if you're far away from God, maybe you're the prodigal that we've been talking about. You maybe have, have known God before, but you've walked away from him. Man, I, I want you to know that God had you watch this today for a reason. He has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. And whether religion has let you down or family members have been bad examples to you, the Lord will never let you down. And he's the perfect example. He's here to help. So if you want to turn your life back over to Christ, if you want to take that step uh, of asking him back into your heart, man, I want to help you do that. Just like somebody helped me one time. It changed my life. And I would love to have the privilege and the honor of, of helping you do the same thing. Right where you are, I want to invite you to pray with me. And the prayer goes like this. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died, but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come back into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm so incredibly proud of you. Would you do me a favor? Would you text me? The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 94090. It always just it blesses me so much when somebody out there responds and says, I prayed. If you like what you heard today, would you do me a favor and click the share button? It's always a big encouragement to us when we see that this message is not just here with these five, six, seven people in the room, but it begins to spread out to the world. And those that are watching this, take this seriously and say, you know what? There's some families I know that need some help. I'm gonna share this with my social media influence and watch God begin to do what only God could do. Who knows where this could go if you would just share that. For everybody else, I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you. I'll see you soon.